Hi, I'm Sabrina Petrofessa. And I'm Lily Rugo. And this is Earth's Mightiest Fangirls. We're back after a brief, hi- brief hiatus. Just a week. Just, just a short break. Yeah. Um, yeah, and today we're talking about Guardians of the Galaxy. Yay. It came out in 2014, which seems like, again, a long time ago. We graduated high school. Yeah, how like that was crazy. <laughs> it was like the summer before we both went to college. Yep. But, okay. Guardians of the Galaxy was directed by James Gunn, and according to IMDb, had 21 writers. What? The reviews only mentioned two. Okay, it's all because it involves the character creators. Oh. All of them inv- it, this this credit has all of the character creators too. So the two writers were James Gunn and Nicole Perlman. Was that our first woman? Yeah, I think so. Actually, um, which is why I think I knew about that when I saw the movie for the first time. So I was like trying really, really hard to really, really love Guardians of the Galaxy, mm-hmm. and I did really like it, but I wasn't like. This is the best Marvel movie ever, mm-hmm. which was a yeah. little disappointing when I knew that a woman was involved with writing it. Yeah. So. Yeah. Anyway, we can't really get into this episode without talking about the whole James Gunn controversy that happened recently. James Gunn has been fired from Marvel and is no longer involved with the, uh, with the creation of the Guardians of the Galaxy characters. Because I know vaguely what it's about. I know it's about his tweets, past past things he said. So he used to say some things that were a little sexist and a little uh, pedophilic. Oh. Yeah. So that's why he um, these these tweets came up. They you know he's never deleted them. They were just deep in his Twitter. And um, I was I was reading about it a little bit, um, and he likes to say things like that because he likes to just he's that's like what he was saying. He was like, I just like to be like say things that cause controversy, like that kind of thing. Oh, one of those, yeah. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. But like, I don't know. I feel like, of all things, the things you don't joke about are, like, pedophiles? Yeah, that's not usually um, a comedy go-to. Yeah. So, um, so he got fired for those comments, and the entire cast came together and said, we do not support the firing of James Gunn. And the person who is most outspoken about it is actually Dave Bautista, who plays Drax mm-hmm. in the movies. I remember hearing about that. He's prepared to walk if James Gunn gets, like, stays fired. So I think he might, he has to walk now. He's not, I don't think he's, okay, hold on. Let me look this up, pause, because I'm pretty sure it's not that he is prepared to walk if James Gunn stays fired. He's prepared to walk if they don't stick with his script for the third movie. Oh. Oh, wow. There's, they're still talking about this as early as 10 hours ago, as as we are recording. Ah, rough. Because I also heard, like, how these tweets were found was also a little, uh, 
I don't want to say sketchy, but it was a whole situation of how these tweets were found was basically James Gunn was being outspoken critic of, I don't know if it was Trump specifically, just what the current administration and a bunch of trolls just took a deep dive and then they found these things. Yeah, there's a part of the the right, and I'm just like putting that in quotes, mm-hmm. uh, who who are deep diving into liberal Hollywood players and big, like, Democratic-type people mm-hmm. to try and be like, hey, your people are bad, too. Yeah. So, not excusing what James Gunn did or said, but it's a whole lot of mess. Yeah, and we're not gonna... Start to finish. We're not gonna get too much into that, you know I mean? No one's here to listen to our politics, but, I mean, (laughs) you probably have figured that out by now. Um, Yeah, so, this article that I'm reading does say that, uh, a quote from Bautista is, it's a bittersweet conversation. No, it's a bitter, bitter conversation, because I'm not really happy with what they've done with James Gunn. Mm. The movie is on hold indefinitely. And Bautista says he doesn't think he wants to work with Disney. Huh. That Mm -hmm. is a strong stance. Well, quite frankly, when I heard about this, I was like, yep, James Gunn is canceled. Mm Mm-hmm. And then when Bautista was being, like, such a big supporter of him, I was like, you're canceled too, then. Mm Mm-hmm. I'm sorry. Yeah. I thought it was surprising the entire cast stood behind him. Yeah. I thought that was an interesting move. Um, Yeah, it's just a mess, and it's going to be interesting to see how it goes, because James Gunn is a massive part of Guardians. He is, and I'm not going to say that he didn't do good work. Yeah, both Guardians, we're going to focus on this one, but both Guardians are really good. Yeah, but honestly, I don't know. What he said is a little unforgivable. I don't want to read his tweets right now, but if you're interested yeah. in finding anything out about it, just Google him. Mm. Google James Gunn controversy. It'll pop up. Fun. All right. So let's get uh, started with the actual movie. Yes, we did the thing. So here we go. Okay. So Guardians of the Galaxy is about a ragtag group of criminals who come together to save the galaxy from a evil extremist type terrorist person named Ronin who is a Kree alien obviously and has ties to Thanos right this is when it starts getting more um not intense but more obvious who the eventual big bad of the MCU is going to be. Yes. Yeah. Mostly, also, mostly because of Gamora, because that's her whole thing. (laughs) Yeah, because uh, Gamora and Nebula are daughters of Thanos, but it's clear in this movie that neither of them like Thanos. Mm Mm-hmm. At all. So that's interesting. I loved seeing that. Um, Yeah. And... I also just really like that relationship, the Gamora-Nebula relationship. It's a very interesting little sisterhood there. Yeah, some of the reviews I read, I don't remember which one, saying that they they thought that the cast um, had too many, because the Guardians universe 
or a storyline has so many characters mm -hmm. that when they were picking and transferring ones for uh, a mainstream movie that they just threw too many of the side ones in and, and Nebula ended up getting forgotten in it until this later um, and I kind of agree with that when I think of Guardians of the Galaxy I don't really remember Nebula in the first one I mean I can understand that but it's also not really about Nebula yeah yeah. Like, she's just kind of one of the side villains. She's the person that Gamora is up against. And the right. only person that Gamora, like... The only person that uh, is a challenger for Gamora. Okay, yeah. Because all I only remember whenever I think of her is um, the fight scenes. Like, I kind of forgot they were both, like, quote-unquote sisters. Yeah. Yeah. Yes, because they were both adopted by Thanos. Um, sorry, that's my notebook. Yeah. <laughs> um, I definitely just got like a little weird noise on my microphone because of that, but whatever. <laughs> um, I literally only have two pages of notes for this movie. That is rare. That is not, not rare and it never happened. Yeah. Has never, not even for Agents of S.H.I.E.L.D. True, though. But I feel like that... I don't like again. I really enjoyed the movie. You really enjoyed the movie, but that is a reflection, I think, on the on the film because, like I, I told you earlier before we started recording, when I think of Guardians of the Galaxy, I remember more of how it made me feel versus the plot. Yeah, yeah. I like um, because I, I think it's very character driven, mm -hmm. which is not something that happens often. Or not? No, that's that's a lie. That happens a lot in these Marvel movies, but. Um, I think it's not often that it happens with so many characters in one film. Mm -hmm. Like, Avengers probably has the same amount of people to worry about, right? But it's yeah. not nearly as character-driven yeah. as Guardians of the Galaxy is. Yeah, and one of the other things was saying that's because so many of them had their own standalones beforehand, so they could just get into it, mm -hmm. versus Guardians did have to do a little bit of setup. Yeah. But all the setup was so natural and so connected in a way that I was like, oh, like I like like you know they're setting the characters up, right? But mm -hmm. at the same time you're like, oh, this is this is the best way to set up these characters. Yeah, even the trailer that I watched had a really good just like rundown of who uh the main squad was. Oh yeah, because um it's during it's like when they're about to get or no, they've gotten it arrested. Yeah, it's like the check-in to the prison. Yes. So they and go over like, oh, who's this one? I think the only thing they did in the trailer is they probably added Drax. I haven't watched the trailer, so they maybe added like a little scene for Drax. Mm-hmm. Yeah, they definitely did. But that's did. not there in the movie because Drax is already in the prison. Yes. Oh, huh. Look yeah. at that. Yeah. yeah, they had to add a little thing for Drax. Mm -hmm. And they included how like, oh, ever since his mother and daughter were killed. So then like, going into the movie, if you've seen the trailer, like, you already kind of good to go mm -hmm. yeah well um i do want to talk about all of their introductions a little bit so i okay. like peter quill's introduction is obviously the most uh fleshed out of the film arguably he is the main character of mm -hmm. guardians of the galaxy and it starts off with him with he's on earth it's the 80s and his mother is dying mm-hmm He's like, what, 11, 10 at this age? Yeah, he's very young, but he's not yeah. like young enough to forget people who, he doesn't forget Earth, obviously. Yeah. 
Um, so his mother is dying in the hospital, and his mom, this is not funny that she's dying, but his mom <laughs> says something like, your, your grandpa's going to take really good care of you until your dad comes to get you. <laughs> and she's also making references about how his dad is like a creature of light. Oh. Be- but like her family is like, all right, shush now, darling, because they mm-hmm. think she's just going crazy. Yeah, she's but, just on meds. But we know by the end of the this film that Peter Quill is not fully human. Right, yeah. So that's just like your first hint to going, oh, Peter is not fully human without it yeah. being too obvious. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Yeah, so she says that thing about your grandpa's going to take good care of you until your dad comes to get you. And then he immediately gets kidnapped by Yondu and his crew. <laughs> yeah, he just, like, wanders outside the hospital, emotionally wrecked, and then he gets beamed up to a spaceship. Yeah, with a uh, present from his mother, mm-hmm. which Peter Quill very obviously does not open until the very end of this film. Yeah. I think, like, the weird emotional roller coaster you have with Peter Quill is just so good yeah because you're there are times when you're not sure if you're rooting for him or because he's annoying throughout he's that he's that perfect marvel protagonist where he's really annoying but you want him to win and you know that like he's annoying because it's hiding all of his like masculine vulnerability yeah yeah Yeah. he's just he is annoying he is i agree yeah but you don't want bad things to happen to him you just want him to like stop being annoying yeah, I agree with that. The best description of his character is one that he gives himself, <laughs> which is towards the end of the movie, and they're going off to Xandar to save the day because Ronan is on his way to destroy this planet. Mm-hmm. And he contacts someone in the Nova Corps, which is their police, and says, Hey, so we have no reason to contact you. So please believe us when we say that some guy is coming to, like, destroy your entire planet. And he has an infinity stone. So please listen to us. And um, the reason I'm doing this is because I may be an a-hole, but I'm not 100% a dick. Yeah, there we go. That is a good way to sum up Peter Quill. Yeah. yeah. But it's really, it's really truly perfect. I, I think it's a great, great way to describe him because he kind of is a dick, but he's not totally a dick. Yeah. Describes, I was going to say most of the team, but I just... Mostly him, obviously. No, and yeah. then a little bit of Rocket. I think, I think like, if you put a percentage of how much of a dick Rocket is, it's, like, 90%. Yeah. But, like, for Peter, it might be, like, 60. I'd, I'd agree with that. Yeah. Do you want to... But speaking wanna, of Rocket... Yeah. I love Rocket. He's, like, my favorite character. Rocket and Groot are my favorite, like, duo. Like, I love them Everyone so much. said that they were the scene stealers. They're like, Chris Pratt did such a blah, 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 blah. But actually, Rocket and Groot are the best parts of this movie. Yeah, because I don't know how Bradley Cooper does it. Yeah, I don't know how he does that voice. Like, yeah, it's very scratchy and, like not natural but he has to be the one doing it obviously and Mm. i just don't under this is the thing that always makes me so shocked by voice actors is how good they are at making you be so emotional for a character that like 
with o- with <laughs> only their voice with only their voice yeah because i don't think bradley cooper gets hooked up to the like weird face thing to i think he does because if you look at behind the scene photos of um guardians it, cut, it looks ridiculous because vin diesel as Groot and Bradley Cooper as Rocket are there like covered in CGI capture suits. Oh, they are? It's, I'm going to Google this now to fact check myself, but like behind the scenes photos of the Guardians cast are hilarious. I literally didn't know this. I feel like maybe they don't do it all the time, but I feel like um, I've definitely seen photos of them like this. All right. Oh um, my God. We'll we'll put a photo of, of it in the episode description if we find one. Yeah. If Lily finds one. <laughs> oh my god, that's crazy. Yeah. Or maybe they only do it for, like, the really, like, the fight scenes and stuff, so they know mm-hmm. how the character would, like, fight or whatever. But I'll, I'll but keep still Googling. Do it. They still you know. do it, though. Yeah. No, um, but back to what I was getting at, I was like, so he does this such, he does such a good job of the voice acting and whatever, because he gives the most heartbreaking little performance of they get the crew gets to nowhere which is a planet type place that is some ancient being skull yeah and it's, it's massive yeah it's massive and it's, it's as planet. big as a planet but it's a skull like it's an ancient being skull it's really cool yeah so it's called Nowhere, um, and they're waiting for the Collector to come and get the Infinity Stone to sell it to him, but they're, so they're all waiting, and Rocket and Drax and Groot are gambling, and then all of a sudden they start like fighting, and Rocket gives that performance where he was like, I didn't ask to be like experimented on, and turned into this little monster and it's like so heartbreaking yeah because he's not technically like some weird alien raccoon he's a normal raccoon that Ooh. just got seriously messed with yeah like yeah he's... it was illegal experimentation yeah on a lower life like being but he also mm-hmm. doesn't know that he's a raccoon yeah <laughs> he has no he has no concept of what he is because like there are no other raccoons Mm-hmm. So I love it because they're all getting into the prison, and Peter is like, "I'm not listening to a raccoon." And Rocket's like, "What's a raccoon?" <laughs> you are, you idiot! You're a raccoon. Look in the mirror. Like I love that. I love that. Is Trash Panda in this one, or is that the second one? That's not this one. Damn. Sorry. Yeah, to- we'll cut it out. But yeah. Also, I love um, Peter's obsession with Kevin Bacon, which is really surprising to me because uh, I don't know a lot of people who actually like the movie Footloose. (laughs) (laughs) I really don't. Yeah, that's true. But Peter Quill is a fan of Footloose. Yeah. He's like such a fan of all things like... 80s. Did Footloose even come out in the 80s? When did Footloose come out? Was it the 70s? I have no idea. I don't know. We're not. I'm not looking that up. It's not worth my time. 
yeah, it's not a big enough important thing. But I mean, it would make sense why he loves it so much because yeah. that's the era when he left Earth. Yes. So it's also he's convinced that's when Earth stayed. No, he's not convinced. It's just like he has that's no he years. has no interest in going back to Earth. So the things that he remembers are just frozen, not frozen in time, but like you know, mm-hmm. if I'm like trying to find nostalgic. A, yeah, he's just nostalgic for his childhood. Yeah, that makes sense. There's, like, no reasons for him to think that, like, things haven't changed. Yeah, that's true. That's just, like, where he is in his life. Um, Did you want to finish the rundown of the other characters? We only got through Quill and Rocket. Oh my god, we're, like, we're so far into this episode and we only got through Quill and Rocket. (laughs) Um, Yeah, but if we're, so moving on from Rocket, let's talk about Groot. (laughs) Groot is the most innocent, pure soul in this entire universe. He really is just an animated houseplant. I love like him. Like if if you any of your little like succulents that you have could be a person, it would be Groot. <laughs> I kept watching this movie and going, "Oh, you're like Lenny from Of Mice and Men." Oh. <laughs> Except more aware. Yeah. Cuz I assume is he intelligent for his, like, his species isn't stupid. He just can't no, talk? No, no, no. He, like, his species is Groot, and the way they mm-hmm. talk is, I am Groot. Like, the, and you have to yeah. just know how to translate that. Right. Which must be tonal. <laughs> it sounds like it, because I'm going to give Vin Diesel that. He put a lot of emotion in, in those three words. When yeah, he yeah. So it must be tonal, if you're going to understand the Groot language. Um, but I only I only compare him to Lenny, because normally he's just like a cute little thing. Like a cute big mm-hmm. thing. He's pretty big. But he's so innocent and like pure and good. But then like when he's mad or he's mm-hmm. fighting... He goes crazy. Which yeah. Mm, I don't know if I want to use the word crazy, but like you can see the like determination to win in his eyes. Yeah, it's intense. They do a really good job animating Groot in the fight scenes. Yeah. I love Groot. He's my he, yeah. like he is also one of my favorites. I love him so much. <laughs> I really love his relationship with Rocket. Yeah. It's, it's really cute. Yeah. <laughs> I like when we first see when we first meet them in the movie, it's Rocket is on Xandar looking for like his next bounty basically mm-hmm. and uh Groot is just eat drinking fountain water and Rocket's like stop <laughs> drinking fountain water that's disgusting it's like a dog in the toilet yeah and um yeah and so then them they find Peter they also scan Stan Lee and they call him a pervert and I think that's really <laughs> funny I thought it was really funny good yeah so, um, yeah, and then they meet, they, they find out that there's, like, a huge bounty on Peter's head because he stole the orb from Yondu. Not stole mm-hmm. it, but he got to it before Yondu and then never, like, worked with him on that, that deal. And it creates that whole big fight that gets them arrested between the two of them, Peter and Gamora. And speaking right. of Gamora, I yeah. love Gamora. Um, She's great. Yeah, our introduction to her is that she's with Ronan and Nebula, and Ronan has been told by Thanos that if Ronan gives him this Infinity Stone, then 
he'll help Ronan destroy Xandar. Mm. And that's not a lie. Yeah. Yeah. And uh, Gamora hears that plan and is like, nope. <laughs> so when Ronan is like, Nebula, you go retrieve the Infinity Stone. Gamora like sidesteps that and is like, why don't I go? <laughs> and is the one who ends up going to Xandar and steals the Infinity Stone from, well, tries to steal the Infinity Stone from Peter and then they get arrested. Right. But like when you first are watching this, you're kind of like, is she a bad guy? Or is right? she not? I cannot tell. Yeah. She's painted really well as the anti-hero. Yeah. Yeah. But she's definitely the most heroic of the bunch. Yes, for sure. Yeah, she's. I think she has a strong moral compass. Mm-hmm. Which is nice, because it's easy, I feel like, um, with characters like Black Widow and Gamora to fall into these, like, super sexy spy tropes, where, like, that is all they are. And sometimes it takes a while, depending on the character. Other times, it depends on the writers, but... Um, I th- for Gamora, I think they did a good job of fleshing her out more. Yeah. And giving her depth. I mean, the difference is that this is actually her movie. The movies that Black Widow <laughs> are in, they're not really her movie. She's just there. Yeah. Yeah. But Gamora, this is like her film, as well as mm-hmm. the other characters. Yeah. Yeah. And then we meet Drax in the prison. Mm-hmm. And his whole thing is that... Uh, Ronan killed his family and he's trying to get revenge and because Gamora lives uh, lives, is um, connected with Ronan he's gonna kill her and then Peter stops it and mm-hmm. uh, Drax is some of the best comedic relief of this film he is but at the same time he's my least favorite of the characters yeah I he's so literal yeah and like I I mean, some people just genuinely in life do not understand sarcasm and metaphor, and, like, (laughs) I don't want to make fun of that or be like, that's a bad thing. Yeah, and also, it's they kind of explain it, because isn't that how his race is? Like, his alien language? Yeah. They just don't have? Yeah, Rocket was, like, his kind are very literal people. Things go Mm -hmm. over his head, and then Drax's reaction to that is, nothing goes over my head, my reflexes are too fast. Yeah. 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 So I, I think they're they're funny little moments and they're really good comic relief, but mm-hmm. um ultimately I think I don't like Drax is because just because, you know, you don't understand metaphor or you are very literal doesn't mean you have to be an idiot. Yeah. And he's an idiot. Yeah. Like For me it's mostly he's just he's so loud. He's very loud. He is very loud all the time. But, I mean, like, he's so stupid, and he's so... Not... I don't know. I just think he's he's kind of dumb. And he's so, like, one-track-minded that he can't think of the consequences of his actions, like calling mm-hmm. Ronan to nowhere. Yes. I th- That's probably the turning point for a lot of people. We're just like, oh, Drax has gone from, like, you know, kind... Not kind-hearted, but from just, like, kind of lovable idiot of the group to just like oh now you're annoying yeah and i think what rocket says to drax in reaction to that was was really smart he was like everyone has dead people like boohoo your your wife and your kid is dead everyone has dead people but that doesn't mean you have to get everyone else dead along with them 
mm-hmm. to get your revenge. Yeah. So. Yeah. And that's the team. That is the team. That's team. Also, I know I'm going to I'm about to backtrack all the way back to the beginning, but the opening of this film is so funny. Because <laughs> Star-Lord Peter Quill gets on this planet and it's all ominous and you're like, oh my god, like there's something weird happening right now. And all of a sudden he enters this cave where he's gonna get the the orb. Oh yeah, it's very uh, Indiana Jones. Yeah. And then all of a sudden... What is it? Come and Get Your Love starts playing. (laughs) And he's dancing along to his like goal and he's... He, there are these like lizardy alien things and he picks them up and is like singing into them as he's like walking <laughs> through and it's really funny it's just like if you went into Guardians of the Galaxy expecting a serious film that's the exact moment where you're like oh this is not going to be serious yeah Chris they really did a good job casting Chris Pratt yeah he did a really he was a really good Peter Quill he was he was I mean I mean if you just if you watch Parks and Rec you can see that he's very good at playing a lovable dummy yeah yeah also I kind of can't mention Parks and Rec and Chris Pratt and Guardians of the Galaxy without mentioning the way that they explained his weight loss in Parks and Rec which was just I stopped drinking beer wow how much beer were you drinking (laughs) it's the best write-off line because everyone knows it's very ridiculous yeah, but it's so was that show. Yes. So who cares? <laughs> Guardians overall was just such a nice, like, it itself was comic relief. Mm-hmm. It's a good t- breath of fresh air between all of the heavy Marvel movies. Yeah. This is the era, like, phase two is where, is definitely the era when MCU starts getting weighed down by its own seriousness and just its own importance mm-hmm. and guardians was such an it came in at the perfect time when you can just like oh yeah we can have fun at these movies yeah let's go back to having fun okay we've mentioned the infinity stone a bunch of times but i have to talk about it again to just be like this is the first yeah. time that the films actually explain what infinity stones are it is yes because the last time the first time we see an infinity stone it's the tesseract in the first adventure, but, but we don't know it's an infinity stone. Like, fans right. who know the know know that it's an infinity stone, but, like, if you're just casually watching, you don't know. Yeah, at the time it was written off as just something alien. Yeah. And then the second one we see is the ether in Dark World. And right. then that's when you get a name to it and call it an infinity stone, because in the after credit scene, that's when Sif and Volstag, I think go to nowhere to be like you have to you have this infinity stone mm-hmm. because we can't put two infinity stones in one place right that's too dangerous and then you're like oh my god so the tesseract and this thing is an infinity stone what's that yes and then you get to this movie and the collector actually tells you what infinity stones are which are it does like help. fragments of the universe that turned into stone. Right. I was going to say, it does help that a lot of the um, Guardians of the Galaxy characters are written as these kind of, like, idiots on a mission. Because everyone else up to this point is kind of, like, they're so smart and they know what they're doing and capable and blah, blah, blah. So I think that was the best kind of opening of just, like, oh, of course you have to explain the Infinity Stones to these guys. Yeah. 
Because you assume like everyone, not I guess everyone. Thor would know what the Infinity Stones are. Yeah. But, um, I get, like, and then, yeah, and then in Captain America, the first Avenger, they just didn't know it was an Infinity Stone. Yeah. So, yeah, I mean, yeah. No one knew what it was. But although it surprises me that Gamora doesn't know what it is, because that is Thanos' whole goal, is thing. to collect all of them. Yeah. So, I don't know. Yeah. I also do like finally meeting Thanos in this movie. Oh, right. Yeah. Yeah. You, you actually meet him. You're like, okay, so this is, this is him. And... Yeah. He doesn't seem like that much of a threat in this movie because he's just like there. But he's also scary because he's like very ominous. Mm-hmm. And very clearly in charge of especially Ronin. Yeah, right. So it's it's very interesting. It's very interesting to see him like sort of in action. Yeah, what an introduction. Yeah. Um and I like that they introduced him in a movie. Other than the, like, at the end of Avengers, where it's just, like, Thanos, like, his face, and you're just like, oh my mm-hmm. god, that's Thanos. Mm-hmm. You know? Yeah. Yeah, so we have about, like, 20-ish minutes. Is there anything else you really wanted to bring up in the movie? Um, I love Yondu. <laughs> I would yeah, love I was... to talk about Yondu, because he's a great character in this film. He is a... Yeah, speaking of anti-heroes, I had no idea how to feel about Yondu. Like, you could tell that he was... He obviously had a soft spot for Peter, you know? Mm-hmm. Because everyone is like, stop it, like, just kill him. Why didn't you kill him when you had the chance? And Yondu's like, stop it, bring him back alive. Mm-hmm. And he just doesn't care. I mean, he's, like, obviously the leader of all these Ravagers. Right. Um, and but I love I love that relationship. I think it's so interesting. And I, like he was the one who took Peter from Earth. Yeah. And you know raised him. And we find out at the end of the movie that they were actually hired to bring Peter to his dad. And they never did that. And you find out why later on. Yeah, well, in in the first movie, they just go, ah, he was such an asshole. <laughs> like they say that. They're they're yeah. like, nah, we didn't. That guy sucked, and we just didn't bring him to his dad. Yeah. Like man. <laughs> so you know. Yeah, that whole crew of Ravagers was also really interesting. Yeah, I, I love that. That one guy is the dude from Gilmore Girls. That's where I recognized him from. Yeah, yeah. He's oh. like, he's like uh, Yondu's second hand, and he's yeah. just like the weird guy in Gilmore Girls who always has a different job every episode. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> what a jump! I know. I know. What a franchise I love it. jump! I love it. It's kind of funny. <laughs> I find it interesting that the villain of this film is a extremist stuck in the old ways of the Cree culture and upset with the peace treaty that they made with another planet mm, yeah like that's the villain they went with 
Do you know how deep that goes to comic book? The comic? I do source? not. Um, I probably would have been a good thing to uh, look up, but I, I just find that they were like, you know, as always, they're trying to connect these films to real life, so they choose mm-hmm. this kind of character because these are the kinds of real-life villains in the world right now. I mean, mm-hmm. especially thinking about it now, you're like, oh, yeah, like, the KKK has come back with their yeah. driving force, and they're these extreme... It's an extreme group of people who want to... Yeah. Their way of life preserved, which is yeah. just racism. Because um, when this came out in 2014... Four years later, 2014 seems so mild. Yeah, I mean, I mean, if you think about it in terms of like 2014, I think it was just like, uh, ISIS and stuff. Yeah, as if that's not a serious issue, but you know. Yeah, that was the main issue of of that time. That would be the main connection to this kind of character to real life. Would be yeah, like what was happening in the Middle East. And yeah. is currently happening in the Middle East. Yeah. It's also interesting that they went with that kind of heavier uh, villain because it's such a light... It's supposed to be such a light movie. Well, I mean... And they did keep it light. They did keep it light. Um, but, yeah, they didn't... But they added if more the villain wasn't there. so hellbent on destroying the entire universe... <laughs> As we've seen before. Then this crew of people wouldn't have cared. Yeah, that's this, true. Spe- these specific people wouldn't have gone, so we gotta do something to stop it. Mm-hmm. Like, especially Rocket, you know? Yeah. Because there is that scene where it's on Nowhere, and Ronan is there and is about to get the stone, and or maybe they've gotten the stone. No, they are they're about to get the stone. And Rocket is like, what has the universe ever, what has the galaxy ever done for you? What, why do you want to save it? What are you, goody two-shoes all of a sudden? And Peter's mm-hmm. just like, because I'm one of the idiots who live in it. <laughs> Which is such a, I loved hearing that. Mm-hmm. Because finally someone was like saying something real where it's like, yeah. Yeah, I, I like I want to save the world because that's the right thing to do. No, I don't want to save the world because it's the right thing to do. I want to save the world because if I don't save the world, I'm going to die with it. Yeah. It's self-preservation. Yeah. So it was really fun and like nice to see that as someone's motivation. Mhm. Because it's true. Like I don't I don't want to die. Yeah. I like they were the only ones who kind of knew everything that like everything that was happening, so it had to be them. Mhm. Okay, but also, that last fight scene is so good. Yeah, I was going to say, I think if we're we're not wrapping up, but we are getting towards the end of the episode, so we have to get to the end of this movie. It is so good. Because, so like I said before, they all need to get to Xandu, 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 no. Xandar. Xandar. I was like, I know the name, but I like, they're all such strange names, so they start like Mm -hmm. mixing with each other. Um, So they have to get to Xandar. And Peter contacts a someone from the Nova Corps that has arrested him before. And what's his name? He's the guy who voices Wreck-It Ralph. Oh. What? Yeah, but you can see his face, right? But I can never remember yeah. his name. 
I'm gonna I'm say it. I'm gonna I'm gonna look it up. I think I still have okay. IMDb up. Hopefully, because every time I think of him, I'm like, I know exactly who that is, but I can never tell you his name. <laughs> John C. Riley. Oh. Yes. Also, Glenn Close is the the head of the Nova Corps. This is a strangely star-studded uh, film. Yeah, they had a lot of cameos. Like, Yondu and is played Simon. by Michael Rooker. Like, yeah. Sean Gunn is uh, Yondu's second hands. Like, that's the actor's name. Yes. Yeah. Um, yeah. And, like, Zoe Saldana is a lovely, beautiful human being. And Ronan is played mm-hmm. by Lee Pace. Oh. Yes. So they contact John C. Riley. Um, mm-hmm. to get to be like hey this is happening be careful Ronan's coming because like Ronan is their biggest threat um, and yeah that happens and then they have the like Nova Corps pilots come out and create this like wall this force field with their 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 planes things mm-hmm. spaceships and it was so cool it was so cool to see that and yeah, it's it, equally I, disturbing to watch all of them burn up. Yes. Every yeah. single one. I don't think a single pilot survived that. <laughs> the death toll in this movie was pretty high. It was. It was. But it could have been higher seeing as he like mm-hmm. Ronan wanted to eliminate an entire planet. Mm-hmm. So there is that. <laughs> um Yeah, so the that last so they're they're um getting on Ronan's ship. And Gamora has this plan to, like, open these doors to where Ronin is and all of that stuff. And that's where we see, like, Gamora and Nebula, like, really fight for the first time. And you're like, oh my god, wow. It's kind of similar to the way Cap and Bucky fight. They are equally... Matched, yeah. Yeah, they're equally matched. The best opponent for the other. Yes. They're the best opponents for each other. Not that their styles, like, the, the two duo styles are the same. It's just that they are equally matched to each other. Yeah. Because like, they had the same intense training, and they've been fighting forever. Yes, yes. Uh, kidnapped at young ages and genetically modified to become the perfect killing weapon. Mm-hmm. Yeah. So there is that kind of thing. Um, uh, and then they finally get through the doors, and they shoot Ronan. They're like, all right, we're, we got him, we got him. They did <laughs> not get him, and Ronan decides to blow up his own ship to get to the ground. And that is when Groot turns himself into a shield for the entire crew. And Rocket goes up to his face and is like, no, Groot, you're going to die. And Groot says, we are Groot. And my God, I could not take that. That is the... There is, at no point in this movie are you expecting to ugly cry. And then all of a sudden, in the last, like, 20 minutes of this movie, you're ugly crying. Yes. <laughs> and all of them make it to the ground. And then in true Peter Quill fashion, he challenges Ronan to a dance-off. To distract yep. him from Rocket trying to blow him up. <laughs> and that's when Peter grabs the Infinity Stone... And doesn't, and doesn't immediately die, like we saw yeah. uh, the Collector's slave do. Right. Um, 
and then and as the collector had said he was like sometimes a group of people can contain the power but they all died too right but this group of people did not yeah peter had to anchor them yeah and everyone else like the power of friendship yes made it yes survived like (laughs) gamora grabs peter's hand and in that moment like peter is within this like in his mind And Gamora is like, grab my hand, Peter, take my hand. And Peter sees his mom. Right. Because his eyes are doing the thing right now, right? Yeah. Like, his eyes are all purple. I remember this. Yes. Yes. His eyes are all purple. So they grab hands, and then Drax, like, grabs his shoulder, and then Rocket grabs Drax's pinky, because he's short. (laughs) And he's small. Yeah. Because that's funny. Mm -hmm. Um, And so they do that, and they... And, like, Ronan is like, how? How can you do this? And my favorite line of the movie has got to be this. You said it yourself, bitch. We're the guardians of the galaxy. (laughs) That is, like, the best way to mention your title. Honestly, though, because, yeah, they they barely were kind of almost friends throughout this whole thing. And it's the first time they've ever identified themselves as a team. I mean, Gamora does say that she had been living amongst her enemies her entire life and she would be glad to die among her friends mm-hmm. before they decide to do this crazy plan when? that definitely <laughs> they definitely thought they were going to die at the end of. Yeah. Yeah. Yeah, they thought they were going to die. And they'd already just seen Groot die. But other than that being like a really great ending and the great fight scene, it was visually beautiful yeah the cgi and this whole movie was really good it's nice as like obviously as we go along tech is getting better but the cgi enhancements and the mcu as we go along they're just getting really nice yeah they're just really aesthetically pleasing yeah but i don't know why i just liked that like purple storm cloud that they were in while that was happening to them yeah yeah it was so good did they say which what's the purple one did they say which stone it is not in this movie okay then it's we'll just there find out we'll find out later yes um it's just there uh and it's very very powerful and very mm-hmm. scary mm-hmm. so uh yeah I, don't know, I, was, I had like a thought for the, my next thought but i don't know what it was Anyway, the movie ends, and Xandar is like, all of your criminal records are expunged because you helped, <laughs> you helped basically save the entire universe um, and that is and fair. our entire planet. That's fair. And uh, and Rocket and Drax both ask, "What if I want to do these illegal things?" <laughs> and the you know John C. Riley is like, "Those are very illegal. We will arrest you." <laughs> Drax specifically asks what if he wants to murder someone. <laughs> and John C. Riley is like, well, that is um, murder? And that is the one of the worst crimes you can possibly commit. <laughs> so, love it. Yeah, yeah. And then Peter's on his ship because the Xandarians also recreated his ship and salvaged it as much as they could. 
he opens the gift that his mom gave him on her dying day, and it's another cassette tape. Volume two. Yes. And then you also find out in that letter that is in there, where she's like, I will always be with you, my little Star-Lord, you find out that she's the one who gave him the name. yeah. Yeah, I forgot about that. Yeah, and it's so sweet. I forgot about it, too. And then, like, I was watching the movie... And he opened the, the letter, and the very last word of the letter is Star-Lord. And I went, oh my god! Because up until then, it's a running joke of, like, who calls him Star-Lord? Only himself. Yeah. Yeah. And then and then it's like, oh. And then at the end of the movie, he's fighting that, like, one alien who's a black guy. Um, not, not, to, not saying that in, like, a weird way. <laughs> just saying, like, he, yes, that is how you identify him. Because um, mm-hmm. I don't know his name. And uh, he's like, Star-Lord. And Peter Quill is just like, finally. (laughs) And it's so funny. I love it. Yeah. Yeah, it's so sad. It's just so heartwarming to see the, like, see him open that and play the first song, which I think is like, Ain't No Mountain High Enough. Probably. I know that was another thing a lot of people talked about when this movie came out was just the uh, the soundtrack was a banger. Mm-hmm. It was. It was. They did such a good job with it. It was. Yeah. Yeah, and that's a uh, that's the end of the official part of the movie. And then, uh, yeah, remind me of the post credit scene. So the first post credit scene is actually like Drax reading, and then at the foreground of the shot is Baby Groot. In his okay, because I couldn't remember. Dancing. I couldn't remember when um, Rocket went back and found a, a cutting. No, it was like literally right after they fought. Like he picked okay. up a piece of Groot and was just holding it and then crying. And then Drax sits next to him and just starts petting him. Oh yeah, yeah, that's that scene. Um, and so that's the behind the scene photo I was thinking of. And when we were talking about it earlier, I went and looked it up. It's it's not Bradley Cooper. They apparently had, his, and I don't think it's Vin Diesel as Groot either. They had their own like CGI stunt people, okay. but it's still a hilarious photo of uh, Dave Bautista just petting this fully grown man in a green screen yes. suit. Yes, yes, yeah. So he's got that twig of Groot, and he puts yeah. it in a pot, and then at, in like one of the last shots of the movie, Peter's like, "All right, guys, what do you want to do? Something bad? Something good? A little bit of both?" And the the pot, you can see like Groot is like his face slowly grows onto the twig. Yeah. And he's just still yeah. a little twig. And then the post credit scene is like him a little bit more grown. Baby Groot. And he's Everyone's dancing. Favorite. He's like his arms are kind of doing like the like a the vine, I guess. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> um and every time Drax looks at him, he stops. <laughs> Which is fun. It's adorable. It is adorable. I love I love Baby Groot so much. Have you seen the thing? Um, I don't remember. It must have been James Gunn at this point. But they confirmed, because everyone was wondering, it's like, is it Groot Reborn? Is it Groot 2.0? Or is it Groot? Like, it's a whole other Groot. It's his son. And it's the third one. It's not the Groot that we saw in the first one. This is a whole... It's his son. It's a whole new person with personality and stuff like that. Yeah. Yeah. I yeah, I remember that. I think like while I was watching this, I was like, is that the same group? Like I just didn't remember and then yeah, now that you're saying that I'm like, yes, that is exactly what it was. 
Yeah, the first time I watched it, I thought it was the same Groot who just, like, had to start life over. But nope, totally new little one. No, it's a totally new little Groot. It's adorable. Mm-hmm. Um, and the second post credit scene is the collector on Nowhere, and he's just, like, ugh, like, disappointed because his entire collection has been blown to bits. Um, because his slave, I'm not, I don't feel bad for him. His slave, <laughs> like, died because she just didn't want to be a slave anymore. And yeah. she held the stone to try and be like, I will not be your slave. And then she blew up. Yep. Um, and then it, you see Howard the Duck. Who is a, uh, I think he's like a main comic book character. Yeah. On the same vein of Rocket the Raccoon. Mm-hmm. But I don't really know much about him other than he is a duck that talks. Yeah, but it's what a, a it's a funny scene. it's a funny scene because he's like stop yeah. complaining and he's drinking like a beer or something. <laughs> it is a funny little scene. Yeah, but of post credit scenes, not like the most like amazing, yeah. incredible. Yeah, not the strongest. Insightful. That was just for the Guardians fans. Yeah, yeah, not a whole MCU. Yeah, I do want to talk a little bit about so around the time that this film had come out. Marvel made a announcement that Guardians is never going to connect to the Earth heroes, to the Avengers. What were they thinking? <laughs> and so I had been so the summer after this came out, I had been talk I had been working at Reuters as an intern and it was and so there was a guy there who was very into movies and very into Marvel and um he did a lot of the like back behind the scenes tech stuff and mm-hmm. I was talking to him one day about that and he was like oh yeah you think that Marvel is gonna say that those two are coming together at all no they're not gonna say that now they're, oh. they're, they're gonna wait until it's actually gonna happen and then shock the hell out of everybody wow and he also said something along the vein of yeah well Iron Man becomes a guardian so they don't want anyone to think that that's in his future what? Wow, the comics are wild. Yeah. So, like, I think that's, that is so wild that, like, he said that to me, and I was like, oh my god, wait, Iron Man becomes a guardian? Why? I don't know. <laughs> I never looked it up. I just, like, took him for his word, and I was like, yeah, comics are so that's... wild that, like, it probably did happen. Yeah, that's an interesting turn. Yeah. <laughs> I thought it was cool, so. It's cool. Hey. And that is basically what they did. What, at what point did they announce the Guardians are going to cross over? It was a while. It took a while. It did take a while. I think it was like somewhere in the announcement of Phase Three, like halfway between mm. halfway in that, because um, I don't know. It did take a really long time. I think around the yeah. time that we realized Infinity War was happening, we were like, oh, oh yeah, what the stones meant, yeah. We were like, oh yeah, this sense. is all, they're all gonna come together. Yeah, that makes sense. Because yeah, if they introduced a few of the stones, and they had that whole And they Dark introduced World Thanos. Scene, what a strange announcement for them to, well, I mean, it sounds like it was very well planned, because everything Marvel does is very well planned, yeah. but. Huh. What a tease. Yeah. Also, I appreciate that in an entire movie where he does not show up at one at any point in time we still somehow managed to mention tony stark hey <laughs> of course he's he, no one even talks about him he's he's not even 
tangentially involved, <laughs> but we still say something about him. Always with us. Duh. Obviously. We love him. <laughs> so I think that's it, unless you have any final words. No, I just, I remember it was fun, and it was such, when you watch the MCU, it's just such a breath breath of fresh air, yeah. it's just such a breather, you can finally laugh again. <laughs> Especially since I've been re-watching them all, and while doing this, it's like, oh, this was just so nice. It was nice to, I think be- I didn't take a lot of notes because it was just very nice for me to just sit and like watch and laugh. Yeah. It's not a very serious film. Mm-hmm. It's really important. As we've been talking, yeah. as you've been reminding me, like, I forgot just how important it was to the MCU, mm-hmm. but it's it's fun. It's a good time. Yeah. So normally I end the episode with, uh, we'll be with you till the end of the line. But I think today I want to end with a different line. Ooh. We are Groot. Oh, <laughs> <laughs> uh, our next... Oh, God. What comes after Guardians? Agent Carter. Agent Carter season one. Oh, we get back to the TV. I just looked at our spreadsheet and I saw Agent Carter and I got really excited because I get to talk about Peggy Carter for an entire episode. This is going to be wild. This is going to be great. I'm so excited. Yeah, get excited. It's going to be fun. I'm I'm like, I can't even, like, if you guys could see my face, I'm so, I'm so pumped. I'm so ready. I'm so ready to talk about Peggy Carter for an hour. Just Peggy. Yeah. I don't care about anyone else in that show. It's just Peggy. Really, though? Maybe Jarvis, but just Peggy. Oh. Yeah. Yeah. You can follow me on Twitter at the Sabrina Pet. You can follow Lily at Lily underscore Rugo. You can follow the podcast at EM Fangirls. And please check our website out, earthsmightiestfangirls.com, for any updates and the podcast. Also, follow us on iTunes. Please subscribe and leave comments and rate us. Yay. Please. Download. Yeah. (laughs) Thank you to Dexter Britton for letting us use their song Wonderland, and thanks to us for editing and producing. 